Can you hear me? How are we doing? I'm Josh, if we haven't met before. Um, Happy New Year. One more time. Happy New Year. Did you, I trust you had a good Christmas. It's pretty, pretty skilled. I've noticed the last couple of weeks this isn't planned. People have been people have been telling jokes at the start of the messages. And I thought Ben's was so good. Um, I've got all right. So. I went, uh, it's Christmas time, Christmas time. I, I bought, I went to shop and I bought a, a chess set. Yeah? It was an edible chess set, you could eat it. Um, so I started eating it and thought, this, this doesn't taste right. So I took it back to the shop and I said, uh, there's something wrong with this. He says, are you sure? I said, yeah, it's stale, mate. <laughs> he, said, he said, are you sure? I said, check, mate. <laughs> okay. That's Tim Vine, okay, courtesy of Tim Vine. Cool, um, so Happy New Year with a, a, an okay joke. Um, happy 2017, got to get used to saying that and writing it down. 2017, crazy isn't it? Um, yeah. I'm really excited about this coming year, uh, really, really excited, just in my spirit, I'm excited about what God wants to do in King's Church. I'm excited what uh, God wants to do in, in this specific site, um, and that includes, I don't know, new friendships, people making friends, people um, getting on and learning new things about one another, and this community growing, and, and just us building and building together as a family. So I'm really excited about loads of different things. I'm excited about, didn't we sang tonight, God's presence. I'm excited about his presence with us. And I'm excited about how faithful he is, and I know... Last, the last year for me, and I'm sure many of us, it was, yeah, we're still here, so it wasn't that bad. Um, and I didn't, there are times, yeah, there's hard times, isn't there, where you think, you know what, I just can't even bring myself to go to Connect tonight, or I can't even think about walking up the stairs in King's Church, because there's about 50 steps. It's like ridiculous. Um, and there, there is a lift, but that's a secret. Um, but if, if that's you and you struggle with that area, then the lift does exist. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for, for, for many different things. Um, however, I'm really excited that um, in, in King's Church, in 2017, all of us, in our times together, we're going to be looking at the whole Bible. Um, That's the whole Bible, okay, from Genesis to Revelation, all of it together in our times together. And that's amazing. Um, I can't remember, I've not been here for that long, but, you know, we've never really done something like a consistent series in a whole year. So that's really exciting. And um, starting with Genesis next week, um, and I know some of us will think, how are we going to look at the Bible in a year? 52 Sundays, um, 66 books. Doesn't really, really work out, does it? And 30 minutes for a message, it's not very generous, is it? So unashamedly, it is going to be like a whistle-stop tour through the Bible. But it's going to be really good. It's going to help us to sort of see, see we're going to look at it tonight, see the overall narrative, the overall story 
of the Bible. And it's amazing. So I, that's why I'm really excited. Um, cool. I'm really excited. Is anyone? So this will be, I mean, I hope this will be, uh, Simon's nodding, he's happy. I hope this will be a sort of um, a brief talk. If it's not, I apologize. But if I say brief, then you're going to be on edge all night. Um, but it is going to be, it's going to be more teachy than preachy. I, there's not really a difference, is there? Kind of, the, yeah, but you know what I mean. So if you have a pen, you have a paper, or an iPad, or a phone, or if you want to take some notes, take some notes, because I'm going to say some things which will help us from now till next December. So um, some little free sort of things we're going to look at together. So you ready for the first one? Um, so we're going to be just waiting for the slide. There we go. Fantastic. So central to sort of everything we're going to be doing throughout 2017 uh, is that from start to finish, the Bible is one big story. Okay? Does that make sense? From the start of time to eternity, the Bible is one big story. And I don't know if you were here last week, but we kind of touched upon it a little bit. Um, We looked, didn't we, at um, Luke's Gospel. Okay? And a couple of uh, chapter one and chapter two. Um, yes, last week there was a service. Last week, um, I know, it does feel like yeah, it does feel like a long time. It definitely is. Sorry, we shouldn't be talking like this. Anyway, so we we said, didn't we, in Luke's gospel, the first two chapters, we noticed that all of the characters seem to be waiting. Remember that, Zach, um, Zachariah and Elizabeth waiting for the promise of a son, John the Baptist. Mary, waiting for the birth of her son, uh, Jesus, the Messiah. Simeon, waiting to see the Messiah. The prophet Anna, waiting. It says in Luke 2.37, she never left the temple, but she worshipped day and night, fasting, praying, and waiting. And elsewhere, the the woman at the well, waiting. When the Messiah comes, is what she says, he will explain not just a few things, he'll explain everything. So this big biblical story, this overarching narrative is pretty important, yeah? And you see, um, as much as people would like it to be, and this is really important, the Bible isn't a list of do's and don'ts, okay? It's not even a list of things we believe. It just isn't. It's, it's not pages of moral lessons. It just it isn't. It simply isn't. It's this, it's this overarching story, this, this vision. It is, it's sort of like a big story. And this story, this is what makes real change. This is what really changes people, not a list of laws, a big story. N.T. Wright says it best. Tell someone to do something and you change their life for a day. Tell them a story and you change their life. Yeah, tell someone to do something, change their life for a day, tell them a story, and you change their life. And I know some of us are thinking, well, okay, what about the Ten Commandments? So yeah, there are obviously parts in the Bible, there's lists of do's and don'ts. However, and this is really important, in these little bits of sections in the Bible, they should never be understood and interpreted by themselves, okay, in isolation. But we should all consult... um, we should all look at the big biblical story when we read them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So little parts in the Bible like that, we have to consult the bigger biblical story. 
In fact, if you look at people like Paul, Peter, Stephen, when they come to share their understanding of faith and how they came to believe, they don't say, well, I believe this and I believe this and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. Actually, they, they quite literally, they, they tell a story. They actually tell a story. We don't have time, but Acts 7 is just brilliant. It's quite lengthy, but Stephen is just about to be killed, just about to be martyred, and he gives his testimony. It's amazing because it's all about God. It's all about God's big story to redeem us. It's not about me. It's not about um, what I did and what I didn't do. It's actually about God's awesome, massive story, this grand narrative, this overarching biblical story. So that's what changes lives. And for, for me and you personally, stories are pretty important. We love a good story, we love a good book, we love a good film, we love a good Netflix, whatever. We, we, love, we love stories, that's who we are as humans. We understand, we identify with stories. Um, our whole lives are stories. When you meet someone for the first time, you say, tell me something about your story. You know, tell me how this great novel is unfolding at the moment. Tell me where you are. You know, tell me something about your story. Stories are essential to who we are, but they're also essential for where we're going, yeah? They give us hope, don't they? Israel, Israel in the Bible, when they were down and out, when they were in exile, when they were in slavery, what did they do? They, they retold their story. They said, you know, we were in Egypt, we were in slavery, but God rescued us. They would, they would retell these stories and they would give them hope. They'd give them the hope for the future. So throughout 2017, what we will come to see over and over again is that the Bible is one big story okay stretches from the beginning of time to eternity and and this one big story the posh term people use is meta-narrative so there you go you can show off meta-narrative um this single this big story and i've written it down here and i'm going to read it out okay this is in the most simplified version possible so please do forgive me um it's very simplified but when we talk about the biblical story what do we mean and this is it in the beginning, God created the world and everything that was in it. And it was good because it was made by God in his image. Unfortunately, we rebelled against our loving creator and inevitably we became responsible for all the evil and chaos in the world. But as quick as we were to fall, God was just as quick to offer a solution. And we read, don't we, in Genesis that for a person called Abraham... God promised to raise up a blessed people and through them, salvation would be offered to people from all over the world. Now, how this would sort of begin to work itself out was through a people, um, a people of Israel. However, they also continued to sin and they were unable to live under the law and this sort of story of sin continued to dominate, yeah? However, God kept his promises. God was faithful and he sent his one and only son Jesus Christ. Jesus came on earth to fulfill and explain everything, okay? And through his death and resurrection, Jesus ended once and for all the dominion of sin, which had crippled God's people from the beginning. Now, this is us. God's people are now called to live a Christ-like life through the power of the Holy Spirit as they live to proclaim and usher in the good news of the kingdom in the here and now. And the final part of the story is that Jesus Christ will return again and following the final judgment and the final end of all sin and evil, God will live among his people in the redeemed and restored new creation. There will be no more crying, only love, joy and peace. 
So when we talk about this one big story, okay, this narrative, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. In the Bible, this big story, that's what we're talking about. Simplified, but ultimately, that's what we're talking about. So why is this story so important? Number one, it helps us to understand and apply the Bible in our context today. Okay, so you see this overarching narrative, this one big story, it has to be sort of in the front of our minds when we're reading the Bible. Because all the other little stories in the Bible have to be interpreted with this overarching story. So let's do an example. You might go home tonight and think, wow, what an amazing message, how encouraging. Thank you. The, don't laugh too much. The Bible, the story of the Bible. Wow, it's amazing. And then tomorrow morning, you wake up and you read in the Old Testament and you read in Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 8 and you read this. When you build a new house, make a parapet around your roof so that you may not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your house if someone falls from the roof. Okay. Now you may ask, okay, this is a bit strange. What does this verse, how, what's this verse got to do with this big story that I heard about? What do we do with verses like this? And there's plenty of them. If you read the Bible, there's plenty. What do we do? Do we build a parapet, which is literally a wall, uh, around the roof of our house? I don't know, I'm not planning on building a house, um, but, but the current one, let's say the current house or flat or whatever, do, do we plan on getting up on the roof and building a wall around it? Why not? Come on. It's in the Bible. Um, I, I, hopefully I can confidently say that no one in here has actually built a parapet around the roof of the house. Okay, just... Hold on a minute though, come on. If, if we are faithful Christians... Yeah, and we believe the Bible is the word of God and that we can apply it to our lives and, and surely we should be applying this verse. Okay, the Bible is the word of God and we do really need to apply it to our lives in every sphere. But we also need to interpret it based on the culture we find ourselves in. Um, the reason this command was originally given was because you read it in the Bible, you know, the Israelites performed various activities on their roofs which were primarily flat and so they needed a parapet, they needed protection because if someone fell off, they would risk losing their life. But I don't know about you, but I don't spend much time on my roof. <laughs> I just don't. So is this verse irrelevant? What do we do with passages like this? Um, it isn't irrelevant. Um, and the reason is because of this overarching story. Okay? While most of us spend little time on our roofs, we understand, don't we, through this big story of our call to love our neighbor and do whatever we can to ensure their protection. So we don't apply this verse literally, but we do apply the principle. Yeah, so that's how we deal with passages like that. And we always consult the overarching big story. I mean, I've been in this building now for two and a half hours and not one of my brothers in Christ has greeted me with a holy kiss. Seriously. 
It commands us five times in the New Testament that whenever you see someone and greet them, you have to greet them with a holy kiss. Guys, you call yourself Christian. No, okay, so common forms of affection like that, it's cross-cultural. Yeah, it's just different. So we can't take everything in the Bible literally and, and take it at face value and we have to be prayerful and we have to consider the context we're in and we have to draw on the big narrative of the Bible, that one big story. <coughs> so some of you may think, okay, Josh, so when Paul says, stop sleeping around, stop having casual sex outside of marriage, stop same-sex relations in 1 Corinthians 6, then surely these commands can be cultural as well. Absolutely not. Why? Because it fundamentally goes against this big narrative, this big story of the Bible, of God's creation of mankind and womankind in faithful communion with one another, of loving one another and the church, the bride, making herself ready for the bridegroom. And I'm not suggesting that these aren't real struggles. Of course they are. You know, we're all, we are all born with different temptations and, and different areas that we struggle in. But holiness, purity, and being distinct and not like the world is central to this overarching biblical story. You just can't get away from it. Amen. So it brings me to my next point. So the reason why the Bible is, the reason why this overarching biblical story is so important for us is because, secondly, it is the lens, okay, it's the lens with which we use to see the world. So, for example, um, you might experience loss. You know, you might experience a bereavement. However, our story, this biblical story, tells us that it's not the end. That isn't the end. We believe in an afterlife. Um, when we experience injustice, when someone's abused, or when a murder's committed, you know, when those people didn't receive justice in, in this life, we know one day justice will be done. Those who weren't healed will finally receive healing. You know, this is part of our story. We believe in the afterlife. I mean, another, wor another word for this is a worldview. Okay? As Christians, we have a, a worldview, this story, this, this grand narrative. Um, automatically, and we take it for granted, we believe in purpose, yeah? We believe in meaning, in, in worth, in value, in goodness. We believe in this for every individual. Um, but people, I don't know if you notice this, but people, people who don't believe in this biblical story, they, they will never admit to living a life with no meaning, no story, no purpose, no worth. And the reason for that is, it's a pretty difficult pill to swallow, isn't it? And sometimes it's like the, you know, people who don't believe in the story will, will try and live inside our worldview secretly. And they'll live in contradiction, basically. You know, they claim they don't believe in a God, but they live their life as if they had meaning, worth, purpose, and even somewhere to go when they die. This isn't a bad thing, by the way. You know, people are craving and, and they're wanting meaning. They're wanting to be part of a story. Um, so this having a big story is appealing to people so I don't know maybe say to people stuff like you know did you know your life has a purpose you know it's got a destiny you know it's got meaning did you know that when you die it's, it's not the end 
Did you know that God has a plan for your life? You know, saying this sort of stuff is really powerful. And people want to hear it more and more. Um, So when we're going through this series in 2017, reading through the whole Bible, it's important that we keep this overarching biblical story in the front of our minds. Cool. Number two. So stepping away from the the story um, for a second and just looking at the Bible as um, a collection of historical documents, thousands of years old, and we just have to put our hands up and say, wow. Now, I'm going to geek out, but um, just the impressive collection of manuscripts, scrolls and fragments that we found over the years, okay? Some dating back to the time of Jesus, and, and this is just amazing. Now, the New Testament alone, okay? The New Testament currently has just under 6,000 Greek manuscripts, handwritten documents, okay, copied and preserved. And even better, in Manchester, we actually, um, the, John, the, the Rylands in Deansgate, we have one of the oldest manuscripts, dates back to 120 AD, a, a fragment from John's Gospel. This is, this is amazing. This is really close to the New Testament writers. Um, but why is this so impressive? Well, apart from the Bible, no other ancient work, none has been as well preserved or even comes close to having as much manuscript evidence as, say, the New Testament. This is amazing. So you might have heard of Homer's Iliad, Odyssey, these big classical books, these, you know, masterpieces before the Bible was written. They come second behind, behind the New Testament and they have about 5,000 less manuscripts. And, and, and the earliest manuscript comes 1,000 years after the time it was believed to have been written. In the New Testament, we're just less than 100 years from the time of Jesus from the earliest manuscript we found. So why is this, apart from geeking out, why is this so important for us? Um, This means that the Bible you have, I'm going to get us to look through it in a second, the Bible that we're holding, um, it's so amazingly well-preserved. It's it's like you're reaching into the first century, 2,000 years ago, and you're reading something that, uh, that the early Christians were reading. That the meaning and the words and everything's been so well preserved for us. It's fantastic. Um, however, so if you have a Bible, um, go ahead and grab it. Or an iPad. That's probably easier, actually, for what we're about to do. Um, just go ahead and grab that. If you don't have one, put your hand up. And I'm sure someone can come and sit next to you and, and share. Cool, so because the Bible has over sort of 40 different authors and, and was influenced and shaped by different cultures across a few thousand years, we have a book with different genres, styles, and sections. Um, so if you have your Bible, so if you want to go to Genesis, it's the first book. And for some, uh, what I'm going to do now, so for some of us, this is quite familiar, but I think it will really help us all, especially with the series ahead of us. Um, it will be really helpful. So, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are first five books of the Bible, often called the law, okay, or the Torah, or the Pentateuch. Penta is Greek for five. 
The Torah, all it means is teachings. First five books, the teachings. And these five books deal specifically with stuff like sacrifice, purity, holiness, covenant, land, law, and, and so on, okay? Now, go to Joshua. So sort of Joshua through to Esther, we have what you call the historical books, okay? These books des describe the establishment of Israel as a nation and sort of the inauguration of kings, the rise of great kings like David, but this section um, also reveals the fall of kings and you know, the breakup of the southern and northern kingdom. The next section is the book of poetry, is, is books of poetry and, and wisdom literature. So Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Um, and the, this is one of the amazing things about the Bible is that we have so many different genres and styles of literature. I mean... It's important for us to interpret them as well according to their style, their genre. For example, at a menu, uh, sorry, a menu at a restaurant is different from, say, a newspaper, yeah? Or even reading a text message. These are different styles, different genres. So here, we have a really unique part in the Bible of poetry and wisdom literature. After this, we have the prophets. Um, the prophets who wrote the most, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and then from Hosea to Zechariah, we have the 12 minor prophets. Both the major and minor prophets were used by God to sort of provide direction and wisdom in times of crisis. And they were also used for God to remind people of his covenantal promises. Now, moving on to the New Testament, probably a little bit more simpler. We have, yeah, go ahead. Do what you gotta do. Um, we have... Right. This can be all edited out, I'm sure. <laughs> no, because it's not our culture. So, New Testament, it's more simpler, right? So we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each Gospel tells the sort of life story of Jesus. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are similar in content and structure, and because of this, they're often called the synoptic gospels, a little posh word there. John's gospel is also a gospel, but it's a bit unique, a bit different, kind of like the odd one out. We don't have time to discuss that. The book of Acts, in a good way. The book of Acts, um, Acts is kind of like the early history of Christianity after the death and resurrection of Jesus. You have the sort of 12 apostles began to preach and minister in different locations, um, and then we sort of start to see really the growth of the church, um, quite impressive. The second half of Acts focuses on a guy called Paul, he used to be called Saul, um, was kind of persecuting and killing Christians, and then he became a Christian himself. Following Acts, we have um, Paul's letters, his epistles from Romans through to Philemon. We have letters traditionally attributed to Paul, written to different churches. Um, from Hebrews through to Jude, we have a section that's often called the general epistles or the Catholic epistles. And out of all of these books, it's only really Hebrews that we kind of don't really know who the author is. And finally, we come to Revelation, the final, the 27th book of the New Testament. Revelation is unique. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but it's sort of prophetic symbolism, very apocalyptic themes. It's produced a lot of Hollywood movies. Um, so there we have it, a quick summary of the main sections of the Bible. 
And this, this, this would just be really helpful when we're sort of going through the series. Um, if, I, if I read it all too fast and you want, and you want to submit to write down, then ask me at the end. However, it's all well and good to talk about the story of Scripture, the different genres and sections. But what makes the Bible unique? Why do we read it? Um, why, why is it different from Shakespeare or the other stuff they make you read in school? Why is it, why is it different? Well, first and foremost, it's inspired by God. It's inspired by God. If, if you still have your Bible, if you want to go to 2 Timothy in the New Testament and chapter 3. And from verse 14 it says, But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So the, the scriptures, the Bible, it's pretty important, isn't it? Kind of helps us in lots of different ways. Um, Paul's not referring to his own letter here. He's not being vain. You know, when, he's, when he says scriptures, what he's talking about really is what we would call the Old Testament. Um, because we didn't really have a completed canon until a few centuries later. Um, but the same principle applies. That the Bible, the scriptures, literally are God's breath. Okay? Other translations say inspired. It literally means breathed out by God. Amazing. Now, this, what does this mean, inspiration? It doesn't mean that God sort of struck down Paul and then he woke up and then there was Romans. It, it doesn't, it's not like that. You know, God came alongside us. He, he, you know, ordinary people, sometimes not very nice people, and he worked alongside us in his love and, and through the Holy Spirit, the words on the pages that we now have are as if they came from the very mouth of God. But we can't stop here, right? We can't just go on about how great the Bible is and say, isn't this great? It's from the mouth of God. It's, it's divided into all these different sections. It's, it's got so many authors. It's one big story. Isn't this amazing? No, we can't stop there. Because the Bible, according to a guy called Clark Pinnock, it's like a telescope, okay? It causes us to look through it, not at it, and see the starry heavens, the most important question to ask is, have you seen the stars? You see, the purpose of the Bible and, and the reason we are called to sort of read it continually is because we meet God, we experience God in the scriptures. 
Steve Moisey says it like this. The goal of reading the Bible is not to obtain information about God or even about the story of salvation. The goal of reading the Bible is to experience the God that the Bible talks about. And when we read the Bible, we, we read it in a community together. We seek guidance from others. It isn't just me reading my Bible. We read it together. We pray about it continually. We, we reflect. We ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit. You know, God wants to talk to us through his word now, today. You know, the Bible, the meaning of the Bible isn't sort of imprisoned in the first century. Instead, through God's Holy Spirit, he wants to continually breathe on parts of scripture and speak to us now, today. And we have to sort of be ready and eager and on edge to hear what God wants to to say to us and where he's putting his finger on the scriptures. So, um, as I said at the beginning, kind of a shortish message, um, but I am really excited for 2017. I'm really excited for um, the series, looking at the whole Bible together. And today, what I want to sort of encourage us to do so, if you've never done it before, if you've never read the whole Bible, trust me, it's not that daunting. If you've never read the whole Bible, then I want to sort of challenge and encourage us, why don't we do that in 2017? Why don't we say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do it. There's some really, um, some really useful apps out there as well that can sort of help you with a Bible reading plan. Next week, we will be giving out Bible reading plans. and We can also sort of um, help you tonight if you have any questions. But um, we want to sort of, um, all of us, don't we? We all want to together be reading the Bible, not just a little section of Scripture, not just like a, a sentence a day. Um, we we, we want to we be reading the whole thing. We want to understand this big, grand narrative of, of Scripture. Um, so, I mean, unfortunately, we don't have, we won't be able to have a sort of reading plan that goes alongside the preaching series, unless you're like mental, because, you know, Genesis next Sunday, then the week after, we're doing like Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy on one Sunday. So if you can, I don't know, you can do that if you want. There is like a break in the summer, so maybe you could like have a break there. But um, there won't be a, a Bible reading plan that goes with the preaching series. It's kind of just impossible. It's like half an hour a week covering a book. So um, yeah, but there are going to be plans for us to sort of get stuck into. Um, awesome. And I want, yeah, I just want to encourage us, you know, it's not like any ordinary book, you know, don't see it like, oh, I have to read a book now, I don't like reading. This is God's message to us. Uh, this is God's breath. This is something that we need. We need to live off it. We need to feast off it. This isn't just, I don't know, reading the Hunger Games. This is something like, this is awesome. You actually get to meet the creator of the universe um, through reading it. Um, awesome. Shall we pray? Yeah, God, we give thanks for um, we give thanks for your word. We give thanks for the scriptures. Um, we thank you that you know it's not a boring book of do's and don'ts, but it's something that comes alive. It's something that we can read and feast upon, and you can guide us daily and, and show us um, and help us and teach us and guide us and equip us and and fill us. And we just pray, God. Um, 
that you'd help us to understand it even more in our times together um, in this whole series. We pray that your hand would be on it, you would bless us, that you would speak to us. Um, we pray that for anyone who hasn't sort of, you know, maybe there's people in here tonight and it's, you don't really want to read the whole Bible, it's something stopping you, there's a barrier, there's maybe a fear of reading or something like that. God, we just, we, we just pray that you would be um, with us in that fear, you would help us, you would equip us, um, you would guide us, you'd, you'd know that it was your Holy Spirit that's with us, helping us, holding our hand as, as we read God. Um, and we say, we love you, and we say, bless you, and amen. Amen. amen.